everybody. Thank you for tuning in, downloading, listening, whatever your choice is. We really appreciate it. And today we have a very interesting topic that probably nobody knows about. That's why this is so, so very important. We have a good friend of ours, Brian Marr, who is the town supervisor of the town of Montgomery and an up and rising star in the political uh, the political realm. Wow, thanks, Frank. That so, sounds really cool. Hey, we, we wish what you the best What do you want, Frank? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, for those that don't know what a town supervisor is, I see Frank has some international um, listeners. A supervisor is equivalent to a mayor. It's the chief executive elected official of a municipality, in this case, my hometown, the town of Montgomery. Been supervisor for two and a half years, worked for the great New York State Senator Bill Larkin for six years prior to that. And prior to that, I was mayor of the village of Walden um, for six years. So that's that's the resume in a nutshell. In a nutshell. Yeah. But you're going beyond like Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, so uh, we are running for New York State Assembly, so I'm looking forward to having my opportunity to advocate for the people that I represent in the state legislature. And you know, if we're victorious in November, we will uh, get started right in January and uh, go to Albany. Awesome. Megan and I. Best of luck. Yep. Best of luck. Thank you, sir. Yes. So today we're talking about Citizens United versus the FEC. So, Brian, what's the FEC? The Federal Exchange Commission. Federal Exchange Commission. And, Brian, what is... Citizens United? All right. Citizens United um, was a organization that back in the 2008 election cycle when Hillary Clinton was running for president, uh, put an ad together, a series of ads that basically encouraged voters not to vote for Hillary Clinton. And they did it in such a way where um, a local municipality said, this isn't something that we are going to agree with. And the case uh, went all the way to the Supreme Court. And it was heard in 2009 and decided upon in 2010. And the nuts and bolts of it is the federal um, Supreme Court decided that a corporation had those First Amendment rights as any other citizen to have unlimited donations through independent expenditures, which there's a lot to get into, but yes. that is basically uh, the in nuts and bolts of it. Yeah. yeah, in a nutshell. So, So to be clear – so everybody understands was that a business had to follow election rules, correct? Before an election? Correct. There were 60 days prior where they were not allowed to do certain things. They were crossing that line to a degree and right. uh, they were making an argument they should be allowed to do what they did under the Constitution and um, they were told no. And then the Supreme Court came in and said, well, actually, this is what we're going to do moving forward. We're going to do moving forward. And as an individual – you don't have to follow those rules, correct? As an individual, you are subject to campaign finance rules. So if someone wanted to donate to my campaign for town supervisor, an individual can only donate $1,000. Okay. However, an independent entity, uh, 501c4 or a super PAC as they're now known, you can actually donate any amount of money towards for or against a candidate. Wow. So how does that make sense? How does that make sense? Right. So they made it easy for their buddies to give them money. So out of, uh, I'll just give you a quick statistic. Okay. In 2018, out of the $2.9 billion that was spent in the 2018 election cycle, 78% of that $2.9 billion came from 100 donors. Wow. So that is the epitome of the 
rich few and those that are interested in controlling the conversation and the elected process having more control and more influence than ever before over the past 10 years. Now, was that campaign finances for both parties or just one party? Yeah, this is absolutely for both parties. Both parties. Yes. Okay. And it's, uh, I'm, I'll be interested to see what the split is on that. I have some of those stats. Because that's going to be really interesting. It really is. Yep. yep it really yep. is. Okay, Paul, do you want to interject on any of this? I was going to maybe throw this in later, but uh, I have kind of a feeling that a lot of the campaign strategies are starting to change, okay? Social media, I think, may outweigh having money someday. Uh, if you get enough people supporting you, you can do a lot more damage campaigning on social media. Uh, where maybe the campaign contributions won't matter anymore. The old stuff was you go, you know, you you go meet with groups and things like that. But things change. Um, when Bill Clinton ran, he went on Saturday Night Live. He went on to a lot of talk shows. Okay, he played his uh, saxophone. That's what he did. Nobody ever did that before, and everybody loved him. Yeah. What happened to him? He got to be president. Donald Trump used Twitter. Nobody did that before. What happened to him? And what he happened got to, to be president? Yeah. yeah. Um, what happened to Twitter? <laughs> You're right. Um, but I think social media is going to change stuff, and maybe money doesn't make that much difference. We are a good example right now. What does it cost us to broadcast in the entire world, Frank? What does it cost? Uh, hundred and sixty dollars a year. There you go. Uh, basically nothing, and we're all over yeah. the world right now. We are yeah. all over the freaking world, dudes. That's right. Um, Keep on subscribing. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. <laughs> but what do you think? You think that's going to make a difference? I don't know if I agree with anything oh, you just said. Okay. But okay. let me talk to you why. Go. So if you are uh, spending hundred something dollars to get to the whole world, yeah. that's fantastic, yeah. right? But if you used money to pay for targeted advertising on social media or yeah. digital media or direct mail, you would increase your listeners tenfold, twentyfold, thirtyfold, hundredfold. It's always going to come down to money. Advertising, promotion, elections, that will never change. To your point, and I think it's an important point. The number one way to influence elections, the number one way to get your business out, the number one way to pass information will always be from one person to another. A person you trust giving you information that you retain and you appreciate because you know and trust that person. But money is behind all of that. Getting those words out, getting that information out to make word of mouth um, work costs money. And these campaigns after Citizens United in 2010 – they went from costing a couple million dollars to hundreds of millions of dollars. Nice. In 2020, a statistic came out. The top 10 most expensive United States Senate races in history, 9 out of 10 occurred in 2020. Wow. 9 out of 10. Well, that was a big one. Yeah. So the Georgia Senate special election in 2020, 500 million dollars was wow. spent on a United States Senate election. That was the total amount spent on both presidential candidates back when Bill Clinton was running for office. And I promise you, Bill Clinton played his saxophone and he paid and spent for a ton of direct mail as well. I'm sure. Uh, so money is spent. Money will always be spent. Social media is capitalized and has become another tool, but you have to put tons of money behind it to develop your following. Well, I have some interesting statistics on that that we can get into. But this is also open to international companies as well. Oh, absolutely. Not just United States companies. Yeah, when people hear on the news and talk about uh, Russia being involved in elections, the Citizens United decision 
helped make that possible and dark money more possible to the point where we can't trace it. There is no way to trace it. So they made it legal, but then they want to fight it. Yes. I mean, as I'm a Republican and this was a conservative court who made this decision and I think it was politically motivated and I think the decision was made that was short-sighted because it was representing and supporting a conservative organization that was attacking a liberal Democrat candidate for president. But in the long run, it has absolutely hurt the Republican Party and it has crippled our political system in terms of finding quality candidates that want to run for office. Because who wants to run for office if you are a good person and you mean well? Who wants to put their family through getting $100 million spent just on making you look like the worst human being in the world. True. <laughs> You're right. I agree 100% in that one, man. Yeah. Hey, and that's what point. we have. So who are those people now that are running yeah. for office? They're either true believers, real believers, that just are willing to risk their reputation and their name and everything to do what's right, or they're people who will have a monetary or personal gain or professional gain by attaining that office. I think that's probably a majority. Right. But Definitely a majority. But when you put this much money into campaigns and you – make it so much harder for good people to want to run for office, you make that even more lopsided. Right. So then it's only open to bigger celebrities and people of more stature. Correct. But that's how things work right now, in my opinion. You can can have uh, you and I, three of us in a room, we have something, a problem to solve. We can probably solve it, okay? Our elected politicians, they're probably not dumb. They could do the same thing. But- they got to figure, who do we owe something for? So there's all these contingencies. Look at the Internal Revenue Service manual. It's like <laughs> humongous. There's all exemptions. You got a coal mine, or there's an exemption for that one. You don't have to pay so much tax and everything else. And I'm sure that's what happened. Somebody donated money, and uh, somebody came up with something for their buddies. And that sucks. That's one of the problems with this country. And you and I build a deck and our, our assessment goes up. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. I agree with that one. But Citizens United's decision made it easier for individuals who have all of the money, all of the billionaires to control election cycles. And they made it harder for candidates who want to just get campaign donations the old-fashioned way, $50, $100, $200 from their right, friends right, right. to get their message out. Now they are become part of a larger system that doesn't – care as much about what you're going to bring to the table and they are all about the special interest how do we control candidates how do we get our message out and that's where it hurts and you don't see it as much on the local level but once you get to the state level state senate congress united states uh, senate governorship and president you are looking at spending money and putting your name out there for the purpose of just getting ridiculous lies really honestly told about you or truths that are just completely skewed um, to one direction and it hurts the quality of candidates. So in my opinion, Citizens United and that decision that was made is one of the most uh, important things that have happened to our country and one of the worst things that have that has happened to our political process. Well, you know how you said that the uh, the it goes to the money? Yes. It's, it's Well, I've got one name to say to you. Yep. Looking on this chart right here, the uh, top 100 corporate uh, contribute contributors Soros oh. fund management. Yeah. That should say it all right there. And zero dollars went to Republicans. But they and do. 100- okay. I'm sorry, but they do have to, uh, 
uh, let you know who, who's contributing and how much or not? Yeah, they got it right here. Yes and no. Yeah. Okay, yes and go. no. Okay. So the answer to that question is uh, 527s, the type of those organizations, can be entirely political and must disclose their donors. However, 501c4 groups, which is the new thing that's been created over the last several years, can shield their donors' identities. Now, Under IRS rules, they can't have politics as their primary purpose if they do that. But we all know how we get around that. Now tell us what a, what that is, a 50... So a 501c4 um, is a, pretty much a nonprofit organization, a nonprofit organization that is... Hold on one second. You got to keep it over here. Oh, okay. <laughs> Frank is letting me know what's uh, interfering with this system. Yeah. So a 501c4 group is basically a nonprofit organization. You're supposed to talk about uh, issues. You're not supposed to get into politics, um, but it's the issues are political. Everything is political. So it's a way to get around the rules that have been put in place to allow for dark money, which is money that cannot be traced, to get involved in our political process. Right, right. That's crazy. Let's see, uh, what do we got here? The bad. The bad is Congress and the Federal Election Commission have been woefully derelict in addressing the new world of corporate spending. So they set it up and they pretty much just let it go amok, correct? Yeah, basically the opinion by the Supreme Court um, said that we have checks and balances in place to a degree and that the corporations won't be able to take advantage of the system and it won't be a process that would lead to what it's led, which is uh, less quality candidates few people and few interests controlling the election process and putting an enormous amount of money into politics that really could have been prevented to this scale if this decision went a different way. And it also opened up a lot more of dark money. Yes. So this 501c4 path, the super PACs that exist, there are ways to have unlimited amounts of money, untraced money, go into influencing political campaigns. That is what this did. It basically said a corporation has the same rights as an individual, and so there is no limits that should be put on to their contributions in terms of influencing an election. However, you have uh, any sort of political candidate that's raising money, their freedom of speech is limited because you can only donate 4700 to me, Frank. Right. That's your First Amendment right. You should be able to give me more, right? I should be, if what according is to this un- Unlimited, right? Uh, what right? difference unlimited. Make? Yeah. So why does a corporation have the ability to spend unlimited amounts of money to influence an election, but you as an individual can only give $4,700 to me and $1,000 for a supervisor and so on and so forth? If we set forth limitations in campaign finance, why did we allow this to happen? How did this happen? And their reasoning was that the corporation is – Create it's basically persons, so they felt the corporations were the same as persons, but they didn't treat it that way towards the end. Uh, That was their whole reasoning that they were basically people, corporations, basically people. Yep, which I completely disagree with. And in their uh, opinion, they actually had a bunch of case studies where it's it's precedent that they cited where corporations should have and be afforded those same First Amendment rights, but in this situation. They could have done and used their discretion as they have previously. We've seen other politically motivated court cases. This is something where they could have made an argument on other precedents where 
you actually side with the people's best interests as opposed as opposed to corporations and special interests. But I yeah. think prior prior to this law, you could the corporations could still contribute as much money they wanted, but they had that sixty day window, sixty day window, or thirty day window as a primary, which they couldn't do it. But but they could do it before then, I believe. They could kick as much money as they wanted before the sixty days. I think at the end of the day, yes, they could. Mm-hmm. But when this decision came in. It became a free flow, a total free flow. And when you have an unlimited amount of money that can be spent within those last 60 days, that's when everyone's paying attention. Okay. That's when all the money is spent. So when you look at any campaign cycle and you, you really analyze it, 80% of the money being spent on the campaign is spent in those last 60 days because that's when you have to get your name ID up. That's when people are spend, uh, spending their money. That's when people are paying attention. If you spend all your money 60 days prior – 60 days later, people go to vote. They don't remember what you did two months ago. They don't remember what you sent. You have to stay consistent. So it was the most important part. So how do you think we fix this? You have to completely repeal this. Okay. Yeah, you need, you need, the, you need the United States Supreme Court to repeal this decision. And I have a statistic, um, an interesting statistic, actually. So out of all of the decisions that have been made um, with Supreme Court – over, you know, in its entirety, um, Supreme Court, days. yeah, no, Supreme Court decision <laughs> overruled 234 times, acts of Congress overturned 186 times, wow. state laws overturned 990 times, Sheesh. and ordinances overturned 119 times. So that is the activity Sheesh. of the, state, uh, the Supreme Court, um, and they've overruled their own Supreme Court decisions 234 times. Mm. So they need 235. So now this is more of a conservative thing then, right? Or is this more of a liberal thing? So in the context of this decision, historically, conservatives and Republicans side with the Supreme Court on this being the right decision. And Democrats and liberals will say this was absolutely the wrong decision. A corporation shouldn't have these rights. But it really shouldn't be about that. I'm a conservative Republican, and I think this is one of the worst things to happen to the integrity of our election process. And I think it's a lack of education. It's not Roe v. Wade, right? It's not one of these other Supreme Court cases that continue to spark interest in our society. But it is one of the most important that has ever taken place. Now, it surprises me that this is more of a Democrat thing. It is. That they want it. That's very surprising. Why is that surprising to me? I don't know. Um, I think at the end of the day, if you're a conservative— and you think by this logic, and you say to yourselves, do we want the unlimited amount of money being spent by special interest groups in elections? If you have billionaires that are liberal, they're likely more liberal in spending their money. If you have conservatives that are billionaires, they're likely going to want to spend less money. Just, you know, theoretically, just common sense, right? So how on earth did a conservative-leaning Supreme Court think this was a good idea? Because 12 years later, we're seeing the stats show it. You know, special interests outspent Trump by I think it was like $300 billion in the 2020 election cycle. Wow. All right. He's, they, they spent a lot for Trump too, but Trump's campaign raised about $700 million, and a massive amount of that was small dollar, $200 or less from people over, all, all over, over the country. The all, all over country, the country. country. Yeah, yeah, all over yeah, the world yeah. too, right? Yeah. But that was minimized by the billions that were spent by independent expenditures, and that's going to be the case. The voice in those small donations, those First Amendment rights of the hardworking Americans that are putting $50, $100 into a candidate are completely squashed and dwarfed by the amount of independent expenditure, dark money that's out there influencing these elections. True, true, because someone like 
our buddy Soros can just look and see how much he has and says, okay, we got to offset that by this much. And again, we have the same folks on the conservative side. We have the same billionaires that want to control things on the Republican side, but they're, they're spending more on the Democrat side than on the Republican side where's because e- of this. Where's Elon Musk? <laughs> You'd have to track it, but guess what? You can't. can't. That's the thing. Like, There's so many different ways for individuals to hide how they're spending money. And that is such a huge, huge problem. I think if you're if you're thinking glass half full, people are well intended. You're, you're probably thinking, oh, the, the justices maybe uh, at some point said, oh, our our policies and procedures and the IRS and our enforcement agencies are going to make sure this doesn't get out of hand. Th- that was never going to happen. <laughs> Absolutely not possible. I'm just going through your list of people who donated the most. Yep. Number sixteen was the American Federation of Teachers. Yes, that's, well, that makes I just, sense. I, yeah, I just found that. In, I'm just flipping through, see so, who I know or anything like that. So let's stick on that. Okay. That is an important part of why I became so passionate about this issue. When I was working for Senator Bill Larkin, I had the honor of running his campaign for re-election, his last campaign for re-election against Chris Ekus. We raised about $250,000 in small donations, large donations, $1,000 here, $2,000, $100, $50, spent about $250,000 that he raised through his campaign. The teachers' union, their super PAC or their their union organization, they spent over a million dollars on nothing to do with education issues. Wow. They simply flooded the airwaves and TVs on disgusting pieces of mail and TV ads, blasting this amazing public servant, and it was crazy. We ended up winning because Bill Larkin was an institution and a legend and helped so many people. They overcome uh, looking at that mail. But if you're not Bill Larkin, you have no chance. Right. When the union puts a million dollars in the last 30 days of that campaign. Right, right. How do you overcome that unless you have been in public service like he did for 60 years? Well, it's also interesting if you look into some big tech companies. Sure. Just their employees alone. Netflix. 98% (laughs) of their political contributions go to Democrats. Yeah. Look – I have a statistic here. I have yeah. it on my phone, so I'm going to try to make sure it doesn't interfere with this um, okay. microphone. I'm going to try to read it to you guys. Give me a second. No problem. We've got Adobe. Now everybody knows Adobe, right? Yep. Democrats, 401,000, 28,000 Republicans. How do you like that? IBM, Democrats, 1.49 million. Republicans, 163,000. Yeah, IBM was non- number 48 on the list of uh, But this is how interesting how, how tech companies, which are very influential in elections, right? Would you agree, Brian? Absolutely. Yeah. So here's the 2020 um, breakdown of the 2020 election cycle, which was uh, President Trump's election cycle. The amount of money on independent expenditures for Democrats was $643 million. The amount uh, against Democrats was a billion dollars. Okay, $1 billion. $1 billion. All right? So the amount of ads for Republicans, positive for Republicans, was $258 million. And the amount spent against Republicans was $961 million dollars. Wow. So when you take into account the amount that was spent for Democrats and against Republicans, it dwarfs the amount that was spent against Democrats and for Republicans. I I think I mixed that up. (laughs) But for Democrats, 
and against Republicans, if you add those up and you have four Republicans and against Democrats, the amount of money that was spent was a couple hundred million dollars. I think it was three hundred billion dollars. Sorry, billion. more three hundred billion. Billion more. would it be? Yeah, and three hundred billion goes a long way over that last thirty to sixty days. You ain't kidding. Nope. Could you imagine what they could use that money for? Right. Other than something as silly as this. So, this is a big, big point of again why I think this was so important. You have monetized the election process. Absolutely. It is about money. Absolutely. It is about these That's companies making money. That. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's but when, when you jump from uh, $30 million being spent to $300 million being spent on a single campaign, you are now sustaining an industry that's sole mission is to divide our country, to well, divide Republicans against Democrats, to misinform Republicans and Democrats about the worst part of being a human and just try to stumble across the finish line. Right. And this goes both parties. This it isn't is. just Absolutely. Democrats. This isn't just Republicans. But, but, wor- is- but worse than that, they're buying politicians to make decisions that are not the best interest of their citizens. Right. That's right. what happens. That's even worse. Well, I don't care about the money, but it's you're buying people. Yeah. What, what I don't doing. understand is the whole Roe versus Wade thing. Why didn't the citizens have a say in that? Why didn't we have a vote? In terms of the Supreme Court decision? Yeah, yeah. 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 Because I, I think personally that the majority of the people would have wanted it to stay the way it was. How do you put that on a ballot? Hey, listen, they can put anything on a ballot. Yes or no? <laughs> right, but what? Yes or, or none no of the what? above. Do you want it to stay at the federal level or do you want it to go to the state level? So that's a tough one to put on a ballot. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see the wording before I could even have a, a opinion on how that would even work. You're right, though. I mean, look— that's the beauty of our country, right? We're we're uh, an experiment, a grand experiment. Alexander Hamilton back in the day on on commenting on the Supreme Court said it was the least dangerous of all branches of government. And <laughs> if you look in and you you hear about classrooms that are being taught, when I was being taught about it, that's shifted. It's now become one of the most dangerous in terms of right. how it can influence our right. way of life. I just had here's a question for you, Brian. You you raise three hundred million, four hundred million, whatever it is for your campaign. What go? Where does that money go if you don't spend the whole good question? The whole nut. You keep it into your campaign account. You can spend it on. You you can argue a campaign expense on darn near anything. Okay. I think Senator Bonasek had seven hundred thousand dollars left in his campaign war chest, and he created a foundation, and he's actually doing some great things with that money through the Community Foundation. Um, you can go to events. You can purchase a sponsorship and an advertisement for a local nonprofit organization. You can go out to dinner on a campaign meeting. You know, you can do so much with that money to argue that it's for campaign. Um, To answer your question, you could, you could do almost anything. And, and there really is not an adequate or real enforcement office. Most of the enforcement done by the board of elections at any level is about how you um, report your finances Nobody's checking bank accounts. You could report that you have $100,000 in a bank account and you can have receipts of checks in that money and you can go to the casino and lose all that money. And no one is ever, ever going to check your bank account. Wow. Do you know that? No, I did not know that. That's some play money that these guys have. People have gone to jail who have been caught by putting money from their campaign account into the stock market. Really? That happens. Wow. It probably happens still, and there's no mechanism of enforcement to check a bank account 
throughout our process. But the Supreme Court thought it was a really good idea to pass this. How, well, of course. They're probably doing the same thing. Right? <laughs> and, why, would, why would you kill the cow if you're getting the milk for free? I just think, and to your point, it's not about Republican and Democrat. It's no. not. Because this, this most Republicans further. stand on the side of Citizens United, and I do not. Because you have to step back from whatever political party you belong to and say, is this positive or negative? And if anyone who researches this, I would challenge them. I would love to talk to any single person who would try to make the argument that this was a positive thing for our country. Positive, right. The only argument you might be able to make, maybe, is that, you know, the constitutional argument, your First Amendment right. But I would love to have that debate with anybody and explain to them how you pick and choose through our election process what rights you ought to have and which ones you don't based on political opportunity. That happens all the time. I go back to the same point. If Frank can donate only 4700 to my campaign, but George Soros can spend a million dollars to make sure that I don't win, how on earth is that protecting your First Amendment rights? Exactly. Ah, it doesn't. It doesn't. No. No. It's a, Well, it's one of those things where, you know, they know better than we do. <laughs> well, it's honestly, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but it's pretty, pretty simple. The people that control a large portion of the money in our society wanted control over the election process. And this Supreme Court ruling gave them that in just a well-prepared plate, whatever you want to say, however you want to call it. Um, they served it up. They served the, the American people up to the, the most elite and most rich you know, individuals in this so country. So was that another reason why Donald Trump wanted to get his Supreme Court nominees in there? I hope so. I'll, I don't know the answer to that question. I have never actually heard uh, President Trump speak on Citizens United, but I bet you if I got him in a room and had a conversation like this, he would agree with me. Mm-hmm. I bet I believe that 100% because he's a smart man and he's and he's played the system. You know, he's donated to people the same way. Yeah, he's been on both sides. Has, absolutely. He donated to Hillary Clinton before he, you right. know, beat her in the presidency. Exactly. Yeah. He's a hypocrite. <laughs> but um, <laughs> you think the Supreme Court is under financial pressure, too, to make decisions? I don't know. I think at the end of the day, when you get to that level of success professionally to be a, a Supreme Court justice, it's about the legacy that you want to leave. Um, I think when you are a lifetime appointment, you aren't uh, shackled by the promises you made to get there. Uh, there are certain expectations, sure, but they're not threatened. They should be able to make determinations for the right reasons on what's best for our country. And just like you can set a precedent and, and make a reason to side for Citizens United, there were plenty of ways to go the other way. Well, was it, wasn't a, it wasn't a 100% vote. It was 5-4. So some people thought it wasn't a good idea. Absolutely. Yeah. 5-4. Yeah. So, so how can campaign finance really be labeled free speech? Right now you can't. You, you can't. You right. have, you are limited. So that's my point on why this makes no sense. Right. And why, why did they make it such a point to protect corporations? The only conceivable way was that Five out of the four, and and maybe this isn't the case, but you know the numbers speak for themselves. Felt like it was important at that point in time to give these individuals who wanted influence more influence. I can't understand any other reason why this would have happened. And it's it's interesting that this started by the Democrats. So right, this this or, was not. This no, no, was no. okay. This was a Republican conservative nonprofit yeah. attacking Hillary Clinton, I got and it. the yep. conservative leaning Supreme Court reacted. By siding with the conservative organization, but in their opinion, they made this determination 
that a corporation is going to have the same protections as an individual with their First Amendment rights, and there would be no limitations on how they spend their outside money. And in all of that, naturally, what mm-hmm. ended up happening was dark money became more, more prevalent. prevalent. Yeah, exactly. And that is why this has been horrible for this country. Now, when they when they did this ruling and they said that a corporation could be considered like an individual, correct? Yeah. Right. So how come when they do something wrong and they are found guilty, the whole corporation isn't found guilty? Right. I mean, that's a good argument if to make. If I they're mean, an individual, at the end of the day, they're not, which is why this makes no sense. So it's you know? so they pick and choose what they want again. Yes. So if if it was a perfect world, right? And right. again, I think some of my plan would be teetering on that line of freedom of speech, right? So if if I was to develop a campaign finance um, strategy and say this is what the law should be, what's so wrong with saying you cannot donate a company or an individual? to a candidate running for office unless they represent you. Okay, so like cross-party donating? No. No? Your physical district. So California and New York can't influence a Georgia special election. $500 million can't be spent by the richest people in the world to influence the constituents whose voices are being squashed in Georgia. What is so wrong with saying, yes, you have freedom of speech. Yes, you can donate and make political campaigns. In your district. In your district. Only. Wow, that would be something else. That would fix this problem so much. Well, that's the problem right there. Fix. Right. You got to fix it. But, <laughs> you know, we're just we're just three guys, you know, in a having basement. a conversation. <laughs> you know what I There's mean? There's no political advantage to fix it. That's just like uh, our congressmen and senators trading stocks, okay? Yeah. They're supposed to be doing something about that, but I Look, haven't heard much of that lately. At the end of the day, there's going to become... A tipping point. We've seen them in our history, and politicians use those tipping points to get legislation passed and to and to further certain agendas. Right? When Andrew Cuomo got elected governor, he focused on economic development. When other presidents gotten in, they focused on infrastructure or healthcare. Right? Obamacare. Like everybody picks an issue. The wave election that brought Obama in, he chose healthcare. And he, that's what he did. And that's the, the, the mark that he left. That was a big one, too. It was a smart right? choice. And he was, was a, a smart guy. Yeah, yeah. So that that being put aside, yeah. that debate in itself being put aside, my point is this is an issue that would drastically change our country in a positive way if our leaders decided to focus on it and make it a priority. And you would, couple, you would couple campaign finance and the fact that you could only donate in that area where you had a, a candidate that you were – you lived in that uh, municipality or, sorry, the uh, district. Let's couple that with extending terms from two years to four years. Okay. Because at the end of the day, you are running every single year. So if you're a congressman, your day is scheduled around, yes, representing the people, but 50 to 70 percent of your day, if not more. Is about fundraising because okay. you're running for re-election immediately every two years. You can't get anything done in a year, and you're running for re-election the next year. Right. So you're filling half of your day minimum on meetings or actions that are going to lead to you getting more donors to fundraise for your campaign because you have to stay in office. If you at least go from a two-year term to a four-year term, you're not eliminating that, but you're minimizing it. Right. So that would be coupled, extending terms from two years to four years as well. And I would add in term limits. I'm a big believer in term limits. Me too. So I would say three, four-year terms, 
term limit at 12 years. You have that institutional knowledge mixed with new voices. 12, 10 years is a, is a not long enough time, and it's a, there's value in being somewhere for 10 years to teach the newbies who are coming in. So you have three, four-year terms. You can only donate to the people that you live in that area that you're running for. And this outside money just would not be allowed to, to dump money in, in all these different ways. So um, in the future, when you run for Congress, yeah. <laughs> is this going to be one of your uh... – I would, I would tell you this. Um, this issue, if I ever got to a point where I can advocate for issues, it would be one of the biggest ones I'd talk about, yes. Right. And uh, and I probably wouldn't get elected because all the outside money would they just would uh, put uh, all the money uh, in uh, on, put on the I'm making sure I lose – just because that's the uh, issue that you were putting together. Yeah. Both yeah. parties, George yeah. Soros, the conservatives, they'd all try to like, yeah. I love that, man. Yeah. Well, the big influencers in Montgomery don't have that kind of money. <laughs> no, which is I'm safe right now, right? Yeah, and even yeah. in the assembly, you know, but. <laughs> wow. So what are the sticking points you have in there? Um, so I like to bring up a point. I know mm-hmm. you, you're big on the uh, United States Constitution. Mm-hmm. So what is your knowledge on the Eighth Amendment? The Eighth Amendment. I'd have to look it up. All right. So the Eighth Amendment. The Eighth Amendment is. um, I'm going to read it real quick because I have it. Okay. I have it earmarked over here. So the Eighth Amendment is um, basically cruel and unusual punishment, right? Okay. All right. So this is a stretch, but I'm going to go with it. All right. So excessive bail shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishment inflicted. Eighth Amendment, 1791, right? Okay. So they basically put a limit and said this is a little too much. From a monetary standpoint, they said this you shouldn't be uh, given something that's so excessive that it's just infringes on your ability to, to do it, right? So okay. they put a monetary amount, value, on something that is somebody's right. So how is it that we have that and one of our amendments in the United States Constitution – but we are allowing corporations to spend an exorbitant amount of money yeah, you to the it. point where it is cruel and unusual punishment inflicted upon over 300 million Americans. Yeah. Well, you'd have to, you'd have, to have a good lawyer to pro- try to prove that. Yeah. You're not going to have much luck. No. But I like pointing to that yeah, one because that, cruel yes. and unusual punishment inflicted is what's happening to our country based on the decision for Citizens hey, United versus the FEC. Look, one more thing on that. Roe versus Wade. You're punishing women who are pregnant and don't want children that they can't do anything about it. Yeah. Same thing. You know. And I, I'm, I can't imagine the corporations on that are probably all black money because they don't want that to come out. <laughs> I think the Roe v. Wade decision is going to have an impact on this election cycle. Absolutely. Um, I think at the end of the day, governors uh, and the decisions that they make in certain states are going to impact the election cycle in, in those states in certain districts and congressional seats, Senate seats. And it's definitely going to have an impact. Um, someone like a Ron DeSantis, who's looking to be the Republican nominee for president, is going to have to talk about this issue very carefully because he is in a state where – Yes, it's it leans red, but there's a lot of folks that it's may not lot. completely agree on the the Republican stance on this issue, right? right. Um, I think it will have an impact on the November election for sure. Yeah, yeah, I well, see the same one. I I have friends right now; they're Democrats. They will not vote for a Democratic governor or a Republican governor in New York State right now. Right and now, they would have before, yeah, because right yeah. they figure they're going to flip things around. Well. I hope that doesn't happen in Florida because I want to move there, and my luck is it'll flip when I go. <laughs> no, it won't. It'll be all right. <laughs> the best thing that could happen, I guess, is Donald Trump would take over Florida. 
And DeSantis would run for president. Mm. Wow. <laughs> or his daughter. Ivana? Yeah, at least she's good okay. to look at. Better oh, than him. oh, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think long story short, this is an important issue for me. because For everybody. It, for everybody. But for me, it's been something that I've seen firsthand. I've seen really good candidates run and get just absolutely beat up because they couldn't compete with the resources of outside money. I've seen the influence of special interests be completely increased over the last decade, and it's going nowhere but higher, nowhere but worse. The amount of money that's being spent on all these campaigns, $500 million was spent on the Georgia United States Senate special election campaign in 2022. What is it going to be in 2024? What's it going to be in 2026? We got to raise the the bar each time. Right. Unless we come into a recession. That doesn't matter. I don't think that'll matter to the top top one percent, top half percent cap on it, right? I think think they should. They need to completely repeal this decision, and then they should put campaign finance reforms in place that make sense, that have reasonable limits that that exist currently. You know, just make it a little bit better. Yeah. You have more keynotes there. Yeah, I would say when we go to Albany, um, we're going to talk about issues in a common sense way. We're not going to get too worried about Republican and Democrat. If there's a Republican stance on an issue that doesn't make sense, we're going to call it out. If there's a liberal issue that doesn't make sense, we're going to call it out. And uh, we're going to try to represent people and not special interests. And at the end of the Is day, it? that's that's what I want to do. And Megan, as you all know, the Meg from the her Meg. previous uh, podcast. The big, the big boss. Um, <laughs> we're, we're on the same page. You know what I mean? Uh, we, we aren't spending time away from our families and our kids to go hang out and and put money in our own pockets and and just be influencers. We want to actually make a difference for our children. Make a difference, right? But how do you make a difference when people are blinded? You get you got to try. At the try. end at the end of the day, I truly believe a majority of this country want common sense solutions, but they're so blinded and they're so um kind of in a trance on all the negativity that's out there. And because that's what people click and because that's what people watch, more money's being spent on the negative stuff. More money's being spent spinning facts. But at some point, you can use, as Paul was saying, the power of social media to get your message out and to promote that message in a positive way that makes sense. And if it catches, maybe it'll make a meaningful difference. But But the people who vote on making that decision, there's no advantage to them to voting for it. That's the problem we have in our country. Term limits would be an answer for maybe helping that a little bit. But they have no incentive to, to vote against that. I think we're going to hit a tipping point at yeah. some point. Term limits needs to happen. Extending terms from two years to four years needs to happen. Campaign fi- Real campaign finance reform needs to happen. And it's not public funding of campaigns. That is an absolutely awful idea. That is not something that works. Um, spending taxpayer dollars on publicly financed campaigns doesn't do anything to stop dark money from getting into influence elections. So we need real campaign finance reform, two-year terms to four-year terms, term limits, and a complete repeal of Citizens United. I agree. I agree. I need a gavel. (laughs) (laughs) Bang, bang, bang. (laughs) I agree. All right. Are we good here? You, you good, Brian? Yeah, I mean, I, I that was pretty much my end note right there. Those are awesome. all the things that I would recommend. Um, awesome. I'm just one person, and I love public service. I love being able to do uh, what I do with the team that I have, and yeah, just looking Listen. forward to getting this message out. So what, what, are you, what are you running for again, Brian? I didn't catch it in the beginning. Yeah, sure. Running for the New York State Assembly, 101st District. It's the state legislature, so the equivalent at the state level to the National Congress. So it's like the New York State Congress, but it's the New York State Assembly. Okay. Well, just remember, Brian, change starts with one person. For sure. 
And and from what I've seen so far, you could be that one person. Appreciate you, Frank. Appreciate you guys. <laughs> love 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 your show. Big big fan of uh, your show. Love listening. <laughs> Great, I love it. I'm glad, so glad you came. You gotta you gotta come back with more good stuff that the American people just don't know. Absolutely happy to do that. Yeah, awesome. So. What do I always say, Paul? Don't believe anything that you read and only half of what you hear. And if it came from an app, it's crap. It's crap. <laughs> <laughs> Pleasure, fellas. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, everybody across the world. Yeah. Keep Adios, listening. guys. Keep hanging in there. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.